Are you ready, Christine? I think so. Are you ready, Ma? It's been a while. And we're yes, back. I am. We are back from vacation. What a month. Let's go. Well, we're going to go to what I assume is Western Europe. It was, it's okay. So I did Wait. a whole bunch of research on Hungary because I thought that's where we were. But we were in, because I thought Bandrico is in Hungary. Being the ignorant <laughs> American I am, I'm just like, oh, that's just a, this is a place in Hungary. But it turns out that Bandrika is a fictional okay, Eastern right? European country. Fake, right? Exactly. Yeah. And it is Eastern European. But what language that. were they speaking? A made up one? They made up one. Okay. okay. I thought, I like Googled it and then I saw, I didn't click on any links. So I was like, that seems fake. So. And I think that the reason for it, honestly, I was like, oh, this is hungry. And we'll get into more of it, why it lines up. But they were going to shoot it um, not with Alfred Hitchcock. Um, I think Yugoslavian and the Yugoslavian government saw it. It was like, yo, this we don't like the way that we're represented in this film. Mm-hmm. So then... It, they had to put the kibosh on it, put it on the shelf, and then they brought it back with Hitchcock attached and some changes were made, such as Bendrika. So we are doing the 1938 The Lady Vanishes. I'm glad we all watched the right year. Yes, I thought that. I'm like, man, I hope, because there have been a couple of other ones done. Whew. I could just see Ma coming in. 1993, yay! <laughs> That would be a totally ma thing to do. Miss Freud disappears on her returning train trip from a vacation in the Balkans. What are the Balkans, you might ask? The Balkans consisted of Slovenia, Croatia, uh, Bosnia, maybe that's Bosnia, Herzegovina, Serbia. Montenegro, Albania, that that would be it, Macedonia, Greece, Bulgaria, and Romania. However, Iris Henderson is the only person on the train filled with suspicious and unsavory characters who can attest that Miss Roy was indeed ever on said train. Mm. The lady vanishes. Gotta say, it lost me in the after a minute, and then I was right back once we got on the train. Ooh, yeah, train travel. Yeah, in Europe, man. Yeah. I gotta say, so this is on HBO Max. Where this is gonna have spoilers in this. I suggest you check it out. It's oh, on good. my top. It's a nominee for me, top film of the year. Whoa. And I did not feel like like sometimes 1938 movie. You're like, oh god, this is gonna be. And at first, when I saw the toy train go by, exactly. Oh boy. And then I thought it was a silent movie, and I was like, oh God, but it was really good. Excellent. It reminded me. I didn't feel like we were in like ancient times. Right. It reminded me of um, Flight Plan. Yes. Foster movie. Mm -hmm. And as you've said, it's been done several times. And I'm going to say a spoiler right now. So, Watch it before you listen. Who thought the old lady was going to be the one who disappeared? Not me. But it's kind of in the title. It's the called lady The Lady Vanishes. Vanishes. 
But I thought it was going to be the young lady that vanished. Ah. Isn't it always the young pretty one who vanishes? I see. Look at you. All wrapped up in white girl syndrome. Just. (laughs) Well, I was just at my book club. Okay, so we need the particulars. All right. So it came out. Oh, my gosh. The particulars. Oh, there they are. October 7th, 1938 in London. Ooh, just in time for Halloween. Mm-hmm. This was directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Super famous guy. We all know one of the all-time greats. This was his last film for British only like specific productions. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. he was kind of, he was just pretty young and just kind of coming into his own. He had had a couple of hits. Actually, actually no, he I mean the 39 Steps is good, but it wasn't a huge hit and stuff. This was his first really big hit, and that really solidified Hollywood being like, who's that talent over there? Uh, come come, bring him over our stateside to this little Hollywood land we got going on. So he's also done Rear Window, Rebecca, Psycho, which we've all done on this podcast. Uh, North by Northwest, Vertigo, the list goes on and on. Which and we on. have more to do. We have so many more to do because the man, I mean, he might be one of, well, I know he is. He's in my top five, definitely, all time favorite director. He's probably in my top two. I, yeah. Remember, I went through a huge Alfred who's Hitchcock the other one? phase. Who's yeah. your top one then? If you have two in your top two, who's your like other Paul, one? Paul Newman. He was a director. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. There yeah, you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, Okay, so we should do that, like, once we get to maybe when we hit 300 and then kind of go have, like, our favorite directors. I only know one, Alfred Hitchcock. (laughs) She knows whichever one we're doing that week. Yeah. (laughs) That's true. But as we we go on and get more under our belts, then she'll be like, oh, actually, I'm a Nicholas Ray stan. So you never know. Mm -hmm. She could be. Exactly. The screenplay is by Cindy Gallet and Frank Launder. Um, they work together on a bunch of movies. Like Cindy Gallet did Night Train to Munich, Jamaica Inn, Ask a Policeman, and Frank Lauder did Seven Sinners, Night Train to Munich, and The Young Mr. Pitt. It's based on a 1936 novel. The Young novel. Mr. Pitt, like in Brad? I don't think so. Maybe I don't not. think so, but... Mm-hmm. It's based on a 1936 novel called The Wheel Spins by Ethel Lena White. She was a mystery writer. This was her best-known work. She also wrote Wax, Put Out the Light, and Some Must Watch. Nerd alert. Her father invented a compound that was the first waterproofing material used to construct the London Underground. So... They came into money. Cha-ching. Cha-ching. It's edited by R.E. Deering, who also edited Ask a Policeman, Night Train to Munich, The Young Mr. Pitt, and Fanny by Gaslight. Wait, Fanny by Gaslight? Yeah, and isn't Fanny in uh, England another word for vagina over there? So... (laughs) What is Fanny by Gaslight? Like, get somebody get the Googles on that. The music is by Louis Levy, who also did The 39 Steps, and Charles Williams. Now, Charles Williams was known for what was 
called like mood music. So he wrote a whole bunch of these mood musics. And many of his pieces are familiar from film and TV shows from the 50s. So it's kind of like how, you know, like when you hear um, when the Olympics come on, the da, 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 and we hear that, that's fanfare, it's John Williams. But we think the Olympics, to England, when they hear a lot of his music, they have specific things of like, oh, that's for the BBC this, that's for this. And also one of his themes was used as the theme from the film The Apartment in 1960. What did you well, find out, Ma? That the the um, lead actor in Fanny by Gaslight is none other than James Mason. James Mason? It's James Fanny Mason. Fanny by Gaslight? And wow. I did find out that... Um, the meaning and uses of this term, Fanny by Gaslight, is a term for aircraft landing with only candle lights on the landing strip's runway to guide their landings. Oh, wow. That yeah. is, that's bold, that's bold aviation right there. It is. I mean. You, you got to get real close, going real fast to know, oh, shit, that's not. <laughs> and how does the plane going by not put out the candles? But by that time, it's, it's you've committed. Too late anyway. Yeah, you just okay. better have an idea of where it is. So that's a hmm, interesting. Might be doing that movie sometime. Fanny by Gaslight. The director of photography is Jack E. Cox. He also did They Came by Night, The Wicked Lady, and Mr. Drake's Duck. Starring Margaret Lockwood as Iris Henderson. She was in Bank Holiday, Night Train to Munich, The Man in Gray, and The Wicked Lady. Uh, she was a bit unknown, up-and-coming actress, and this made her a star in Britain. The same thing could be said of Michael Redgrave, who he played Gilbert. Excuse me, that's Sir Michael Redgrave. Exactly. He is a very famous... Um, he is a very famous theater lineage he came his parents were in theater he has kids that are in theater uh, Lynn and Vanessa right he also had a son I think his son's name was Corin I have more about them later all righty then there's a very interesting twist to this whole film and their family that I thought was like Oh my gosh, but that's that's the way my brain works. Yeah, y'all y'all will be taking a trip into my noodle very shortly. Oh, that's very frightening. It is. Buckle up. This was his first major film role, Michael Redgrave. He was also in Morning Becomes Electra, The Browning Version, and The Quiet American. We have Paul Lucas as Dr. Hartz. He's a Hungarian actor. He was also in Watch on the Rhine. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, and Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. We have May Witty as Miss Freud. Excuse me, that's Dame I May Witty. I thought she Witty. might be a dame. What else was she in? She also was in All Over the Stage. Uh, oh, she was, like, so, like, obviously she was a dame, but she was super into the theater scene. Just oh, stage. okay. And she then touch familiar. I know, but she made her Holly. Oh, this is why she made her Hollywood debut when she was 72 years old. So let that be a lesson, young folks. 
Never There's still up. time for there's, me. There's still time for you. Although she had quite an illustrious career under her belt that yeah. she got into, you know. I mean, this film was in 38, so she was putting in a lot of work before film was even a thing. But you know her because she was also in Gaslight. Yes. Which we did. Did we do Suspicion? Yes, with uh, Joan, Joan Fontaine. Crawford. Fontaine. No? Okay. And Green Street Dolphin, which I know we haven't done, but we always hear it in these credits. Okay. So we have Cecil Parker as Mr. Todd Hunter. He was also in The Lady Killers, Under Capricorn, and The Citadel. Lyndon Travers as Mrs. Todd Hunter. She was also in Bank Holiday, The Stars Look Down. And she was on the TV show Sea Hunt. I used to watch Sea Hunt. I know, and and we always would go to that when you guys would come out and visit me. We would go to that um, we Paradise Cove. Yeah, and they didn't they do Sea Hunt they out there? They did Sea Hunt from there. Yeah, Lloyd Bridges and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we have Naughton Wayne as Calicott and Basil Radford as. Excuse me, I need to take a sip of my colonizer drink while I do these credits. <laughs> Because just in honor of those two as charters, they were in, this was their first, um, well, they were actors and stuff, but this is the first time that those two got together, and then they went on together to be a team in Night Train to Munich, Crooks Tour, Millions Like Us. So they were just in a whole bunch of movies after this because their pairing was so successful, and I have to agree. I Um, do too. Basil Radford, that scar on his cheek, that's real, and that's from a wound that he got in the trenches during World War One. Thank uh, you for your service, Basil. There you go, Basil. Yeah. Oh man, those two. So those are the particulars. Mm. Outstanding. <clears throat> I will now set the table. We start. It's a black and white film. I said it looks like Western Europe, but I mean, at the time, Western Europe, Eastern Europe, um, okay. We have snow, we have mountains, we have a hotel lobby with mm-hmm. a lot of people in their suitcases. They first are, I'm totally waiting for them to be speaking German because it looked very uh, Swiss Alpsy, German, uh, uh, Bavaria. Uh, so I think they were speaking Italian first. Yeah, there was a lot of Italian. There was a lot of Italian. Mm-hmm. And then German, and then American. Well, uh, English. <laughs> no, it, American. Uh, okay, excuse me. Somebody's okay. not proud to be one. Oh. Hey, hey. Uh, the train. Goes, goes. Okay. Yeah. The train is held up due to an avalanche. I hmm. taught with a teacher one time in Germany who was in labor in an avalanche <laughs> during an avalanche. She was in labor during an avalanche. Oh man. Got oh, out of it. She survived. The baby survived. I mean, that's come on. That deserved to be mentioned. Yeah, an avalanche. All kinds of holy shit. That is just that's stressful for everyone. <laughs> we meet Iris, who is rushing to marry Charles Fotheringale, a blue-blooded chick chaser. Colonizer, colonizer, colonizer. (laughs) Uh, 
And she's looking at dollar signs, dollar signs, dollar signs, because you don't see any love coming out of her. It's like, yeah, I'm going to go do, I've done this. I'm going to go. Yeah, she was not. She was like, well, I guess I've already done everything else in life. I might as well get married. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she listed off the, we have, I have that in quotes. She lists off it. I'm like, there's so much more, Iris. Exactly, Iris. You're still- I don't know. It sounded like she'd had a pretty good time. She yeah. did, but it's like, why, has more why end the party? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 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 Well, you know, traveling wasn't as easy as it is these days. Yeah. She was still really- Your train could still go in half, get cut in half. Well, that's true. And I, we'll get to it. I mean, you're in the 1930s. It's yeah. kind of smart is, to buckle down. This is down. late 1930s. 1938, we'll get yeah, to it. Yeah, they didn't it. really know what they had coming. Yeah. And Christine and Aaron have just stomped on my signature line. <gasps> what? What could, could go wrong? Go could wrong. go wrong. So much. So much. So much. Okay, so we are to POC in Europe in 1938. Well, there is this quote. That Iris says, she says, quote, that's one of them, the dark little man. So in Europe, 1938, Signor Dopo, the Italian magician with the nose that was too big to wear spectacles. Oh, yeah. They did bring that up. Yeah. So so therefore, in this film, 1938, according to Britain, Italians are the dark skinned people. So that would be three. And I just want to say to our Italian-American friends, see how easy it can be for you to get put back in that category? I think they do know, and I think that's why they saw the shift. <laughs> They're with the uh, the Cubans, who are also like, yes, I know it's side. And But as I will be pointing out, it all comes back to you, like cast... You you get it you get bit in the ass too by cast and I think yeah. that I think that we need to do a better job of pointing out how it sucks for like how cast also goes the other way because we can't keep I don't think that we can keep uh, relying on people's morals to be like oh you're you have to be a good person <laughs> we need to like start pointing out like why this is bad for you <laughs> exactly because. Ain't nobody got no morals yeah. no more. So, so. <laughs> so the moral of this is in this film, like, Italian. So, you know, you are the dark people. It can still go that way in certain places. So let's organize, community organizing. Right. There's more of us than there are of them. Right. Oy. Okay, so uh, POC was our Italian friend. And his wife and child. And so now we are to cast. You, okay, do you guys have any? We're going to let you take it. <laughs> you can always jump in. I'm free we to... Could, but I am like always amazed with what you come up with. Okay. Well, sorry, guys. Buckle in. So, okay, first of all, this is class, not cast, but it's important to point out because yeah. it's a European film. So the class compartments on the train similar to what we saw in Titanic. You had at the beginning Gilbert, who was played by Michael uh, Redgrave. He's this music British guy. He's a music ethnomusicologist. So he's been there to get down this folk, this ancient folk dance so that he can like um, 
for history purposes and stuff. Um, so he's hanging out on the train when we meet him. He's hanging out with the lower classes while they're doing their, fo- you know, dancing and stuff. Reminded me of the scene in Titanic, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And then you have the rest of the people who are up on the highest of the class because they have their own car, their own, uh, what were those called? Compartments. Mm-hmm. They had like sinks. And then when they were hungry, they could go to a dining car mm-hmm. that had just... Moe was everywhere. I don't know if you noticed that in the dining car. Oh, yeah, Just yeah, 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 yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. Bottles of champagne everywhere. So then I, he has to come, I kind of, he was talking about his dad, but he, so he's upper cap, cl- uh, yeah. class, right? Class, right. Yeah, because I, I was wondering, I was like, well, wait, when I was thinking about it, was he in there, he was like uh, slumming it for research or was he poor and doing his research out of love? And then when Iris comes with her whole tale, then she's like, oh, I can be with her and be with the, in the nice, get to get in the dining car and all of that. So I, yeah, that wasn't, uh, there was no conclusion to that, which way that went. Right. Was there? I, I, I don't, I mean, in the end, he gets the girl. So I don't think they were hurting. But I don't they think... weren't hurting, but you know what? She wasn't getting that money like she was going to get with the Blue Blood girl yeah, chaser. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Caldecott and Charters, herefore known as CNC Cricket Factory. The <laughs> CNC. So, no, those two, they completely, in my mind, represent England and the Western European supremacy that sees England at the top. When you think of, like, white supremacy. Oh, totally. Those guys up there. Listen to what they go. Like, first of all, they say, why didn't they say so in the first place at the beginning of this when the guy goes through all the different languages explaining how the avalanche happened and yes. that they have to come in and they're like, mm, my good sir. Like they aren't worried at all. And they're like what's going on? And then finally the guy gets the English last and he's mad because they're like, well, why didn't they say so in the first place? First place. Yes. Then they go and they take the, so they, they, because of that. And they were just lollygagging around. They were late. So the only room left to them was the maid's quarters. So then they're in the maids' quarters putting on their tuxes to go down to eat. And it's packed because the hotel is packed because of said avalanche. All the food's gone. They don't care that the waiter's trying to tell them in the language that the food's gone. They're like, "Mm, we'll have steak. And then (laughs) then he's like, the way that that guy says, no food? He's so rich. Like, just, just cast, cast, cast. Then they're mad. They blame that, that they were lollygagging, putting on their tuxes to go down and make an appearance. And then they're like, what a country. No wonder they have revolutions. Yes. Then they hijack a phone call because they're so, they're like, oh, what's the business in London? Like, what's going on with England? What's going on with England? And then they find, so this whole time, because of what's going on in Europe in 1938, if you're watching this, then you're just convinced that they're talking about you know, what's going on with the, uh, you know, <laughs> Hitler and all of that. And so when they finally, because they're looking to try to find newspapers, like, what's going on with England? What's up with England? They hear that somebody has a call. It's not for them from London. They hijack the call. Yes, they do. And they're like, what's going on? What's going on in England? 
And then you find out that these two, they don't care about the England policy or anything like that. They're obsessed with cricket. Hmm. And cricket, it's, look, soccer, a.k.a. football, is played all over the world. Cricket is only played in places where the British colonized. And you look it up. I went to the, when I used to go to a gym, there was a guy from Jamaica, and he played cricket, loved cricket. But he was from Jamaica, and Jamaica was colonized by the British. Oh, yeah. He wouldn't have cared about cricket if it weren't for the colonization. So it's hilarious that it's cricket that they are obsessed with because, again, it just goes into, like, this. And when I heard it, you know, in my mind, I didn't hear cricket. I heard soccer, which, so uh, all this time I'm thinking it was a soccer match. Cricket? Oh, okay. I know. It is cricket. Okay. And it's funny, but then the thing that I love about them is just personally, though, I understand their obsession because if I was traveling and it was World Cup time, I would be doing the same thing. Like, what? Like, somebody comes in from Germany, and if I could speak German, this hypothetical situation, I would be like, what's the match going? Oh, you're not following the German men's national team? And I'd be so mad that you just hang up on them. Next we have, they put their hands all over the sugar. It's the communal sugar. This was a time when sugar came in sugar cubes. And then I, I and they, there's all their hands over trying to recreate a, a cricket thing. And then I thought about how, like, oh, um, the sanitary, like, that's so unsanitary. But then we put sugar in wrappers and then wrappers create more trash. So I, yeah. I, it's just, it's a, it's a yin and yang. There's always a balance. Yeah, I feel like yeah. we would probably be better off just being a little bit unsanitary. I, okay, I okay. We can use tongs on the sugar cubes because those have put in by people with a, with a rubber glove, putting it into the uh, sterling silver sugar holder and you have tongs to take it out, not actually use it as Poppy frequently does with, anything on the table to explain where people are at given times puppy mm. often does that not with sugar cubes because we don't have them oh yes he's a very big diagrammer <laughs> yeah yeah but but to to put your hands all over all the sugar cubes mm-hmm. someone asks for some sugar they put their hands all over them to put them back in the sugar bowl to hand them over and that person doesn't have a trouble using the tongs to put them in the tea. But can I, wow, guys, though, this is kind of how Britain got its empire, if you think about it, because they pulled this shit to people who are on, who didn't have their germs, and that gave them their germs, then they got sick and died, and then they're like, oh, you don't have a flag, and you can't fight because you're sick with, because we contaminated with our, putting our hands all over everything. It's all okay, now you're British. Now you do have a flag. It's called the Union Jack. Man, bow to the queen. Man, unbelievable. Okay, more. Charters gets shot in the hand and has zero reaction? Yeah. The the stiff upper lip, if I've ever seen one? My God. Then they're talking about, like, I'll get into it later. I'm sure we will, but talking about people vanishing and stuff and... They're discussing it between themselves, and they're like, oh, people vanish in India, the old rope trick. 
So in my mind, I was thinking like, because, you know, by this time I'm full blown about just evil British Empire. And I'm thinking like, oh, yep, they just go lynching the, the Indians, noose. you know, Girl a noose. has to have a noose. Ner early nerd alert, guys. There was a thing called the Indian rope trick. Have you either of you heard of this? No. So in the 1880s, it was said to be the world's greatest illusion. It was there was a basket and a rope it was came like a out rope of it. Being like a a a a cobra. Well, the rope came straight up. Yeah. And then there's a magician and a boy, and the boy climbs up the rope and he disappears. And then the magician yells to the boy and gets mad because there's no response. So the magician gets a sword or a knife, climbs up the rope, and also vanishes. Then you hear, and now keep in mind, oh, well, this will be later. So this is just a description of what they said that this trick was. So then they're, they're both disappeared. Then there's an argument going back and forth. Then it goes quiet. Then you see an arm fall to the ground, a leg fall to the ground, uh -oh. a torso falls to the ground. Basically, all of this boy in pieces falls to the ground. The magician climbs back down. Puts, grabs up all the torsos, limbs, and whatnot, puts it into the basket, alakazam, shabam, and the boy appears whole. Ooh, shocking. And that was, that was wow. said to be the greatest illusion. But in 1990s, it was, and, and that's why they say like, oh, well, I've never, the rope doesn't appear because it was only hearsay. Because it, think of that time, India was so far away and so exotic. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So it turns out that in the 1990s, historians come to the consensus that it was actually all just a hoax by John Wilkie of the Chicago Tribune to sell more <laughs> papers. Oh, shit. Yeah. But in since time, like, magicians have went, they wanted to try to recreate it and, like, show. And there are pictures you can find, and people are like, no, that rope really has iron on the inside. And so it's, it's this whole thing. I, it's wild. So you can like you can look it up. There's huh. more to it. Crazy story. That is crazy. That's crazy. Okay. Next in cast. Um. So the nun. This is more class than cast. Mm -hmm. Because as we said, Italians in this are counting as cast. So there's going to be a lot of more class in this thing. But the nun. She turns on the whole plot when she realizes that they're going to murder not just a woman, but an English woman. Mm -hmm. yes. Not an English woman. Oh, yes. Exactly. And yes. she's also the only working class person who actually does anything and makes any sacrifices. Because at the end, she, first of all, she doesn't poison them. Second of all, she goes out and changes the train track, ends up mm -hmm. getting shot in the leg. Mm -hmm. And it's just very interesting to see how how that's a commentary on things to come. Who are the people that went to fight? You know, who are always the people that go to fight? Who are always the people that make the sacrifices? It's always the working class. Exactly. This film is all about upper class people, but it's this working class woman who at the end of the day put her life on the line to exactly. help everyone out. Um. Because she is the lowest British class on this train. Like there right. are people of lower class on it, but she's the lowest British class. Which, that's just how fucked up Britain is and has done to the world. It's wild. Um, we also have 
Gilbert, when he threatens to tell everyone that Iris invited him to his room, and he's that's when remember she pays off the guy because he was he was living a ground floor existence on a second floor a room, just being loud. Right. She bribed the guy, and so then he comes in, moves in, and she was like, "Get out of here!" And she's like, "Well, I'm gonna tell everybody that you invited me up." Yes. And and he could do that because first of all, they'll believe the man over yes. her just anyway, and also then she would be looked down upon because she invited this good-looking, strapping young man. Like she's not married yet. This is another thing to cross off on her bucket, but she couldn't because of the societal norms. Hey. Exactly. Placed upon us by the British. Next. Old white man. Uh Uh-huh. The governess position of Freud. She is in a... So then I looked it up about governesses because it's... They had uniquely awkward positions in the Victorian household. So neither the... About what? What's her name was? Yeah. Yeah. The Sound of Music. Uh yeah, yeah, and Mary Poppins as well. Mm-hmm. So, because they, and, you know, when you think about this in terms of class, it is very interesting. They were neither servant nor members um, of the host family. They were like a step family. above servant, but mm-hmm. a step below family member. Right, so they worked for the upper class, but a lot of them had middle class backgrounds and education, but they were also paid for their services. So they were like a step up but they were still the help mm-hmm. yeah and then finally like a nanny mm-hmm. yes um fictional european countries if you're ever bored want to spend some time there's a huge wikipedia page on fictional european countries there's so many of them and it just made me laugh of you know that if you, I didn't really go through it, but I bet most of them are fictionalized Eastern European countries. Yeah. And I think that's wild because how many fictional, like, American countries are there? How many fictional Britons are there? It's all America and Britain just making up fictionalized countries for diplomacy's sake because we're in our superiority bag. That we're just like, oh, yeah, we don't want to name it, but here, here you go. Wild. So now we are to nerd alerts. I don't have any for this film. I actually do. Nice. Would you like to start or do you want me to give you a break and I can... Yeah, they, the audience needs a break from me. Okay. I did a nerd alert on... Well, I just started... I wanted to know more about female spies. Oh, because I loved Miss Roy. I know, and whoever and it was suspected. like really like they never really talked about her being a spy that exactly. much. Exactly, like, she was kind of badass. She was indeed. So there's a lot out there, a lot about World War II and espionage, and that's. Finally, women not being like because a lot of like movies, women being spies in movies, just them being sexy and whatever. Mm-hmm. The honey pot. I but believe. I wasn't interested in that. Yeah. But I found an article on history, history.com mm. called 
how a black spy infiltrated the <gasps> Confederate White House. What? Wait, yeah. I have to write this down. Where's so, this movie? I know. It's about a formerly enslaved woman named Mary Bowser and an abolitionist woman named Elizabeth Van Lu and how they teamed up to spy on Confederate President Jefferson Davis and got <gasps> away with it. I love it. Mm-hmm. We're going to Richmond, Virginia. <gasps> Richmond. Mm-hmm. That's where y'all got married. Yep. Where Confederate President Jefferson Davis had a home during the Civil War. He knew he had a mole in his house, but he didn't know how to stop the flow of information. <laughs> and he wouldn't have ever guessed it would no. be a, a black yeah. person. Little did he know, a Union spy found her way into the deepest parts of the Confederate White House as part of an abolitionist woman's spy ring. So basically, these women, Elizabeth Van Loo, her nickname was Crazy Bet, and <laughs> <laughs> of course... Of course. And Mary Bowser, who was a formerly enslaved woman, worked together um, to bring down the political fixtures of the South from the inside out. So it basically talked, so spies were common on both sides of the Civil War. Um, but let's get into who these women are. So she was born, Van Lu was born in 1818 to an affluent family in Richmond. Um, she received her education in Philadelphia and, and as, oh, she educated, yeah, as she became educated, she began to see the injustice of slavery. And when she got older, she was basically like, this is really fucked up. And my family has slaves and I'm not down with that. So when her dad died in 1843, she and her mom freed all of the people that the family owned. Bravo. And they used the money from her father's death, which is about $10,000 then, so $200,000 in 2016, so probably a million today, um, to buy and free all the relatives of the enslaved people that her family had owned. Oh, wow. But, but wait, I, I thought that that was just the way that things were back then and that people, they just had to have slaves, beca- enslaved people, because that's just how it was. Oops. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I was like, that's, a, you know, they used all the money, not, you know, she used their dad. I like that she used the, because I'm sure her dad was like so pro slavery. Oh, was like, yeah. Fuck you, dad. I'm using all your money to buy back yeah. all these other people at freedom. Uh huh. And the wife is just like, yep. Yeah. I couldn't stand that motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. And she, there's a book about her called, a biography called Southern Lady Yankee Spy, the true story of Elizabeth <laughs> Van Lu, a Union agent in the heart of the Confederacy. And one of the things she wrote in her diary was, no pen, no book, no time can do justice to slavery's wrongs, its horrors. Wow. She seems like she really was like, oh, God, I didn't want to be born into this family. Um, but here I am. So one of the people that her family had owned was Mary Bowser born Mary Jane Richards. Um, it was believed that she was born between 1839 and 1841. And she remained a servant for the Van Lu family after attaining her freedom. So I don't, yeah, but, but she, I, I don't know. Owned, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Um, just given a, a penny. <laughs> yeah. Here you go. Uh, so she actually was sent by 
Van Lu, the girl, the woman to, we think, they think Philadelphia to get her formal education. She was like, look, I went to school here. You're going to love it. Um, <laughs> and then she went to, Bowser went to be a missionary in Liberia in 1855. Oh, okay. And she was like, I don't like it here. She stayed there until 1860. And she was like, this sucks. I'm actually going to go back to America. This is so bad. Um, She's probably just, just like, I, I, there's, there's just so much wrong in the, in the, exactly. yeah. I, I just know that, I mean, that is one of the interesting questions is because we're, we're just like big upping her and which we should do, of course, because she freed all the people, but then oh, yeah. how then much she sent her to, no, yeah, yeah, she's not. That's why I say on the great assault. She then sent her to Liberia to be a missionary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah but yeah. whatever just for the sake of the story um that's how low know. the bar is like, yeah literally, that's just how low the bar is he seemed to have gotten to her senses a little bit to be like okay this is wrong but like i'm still this i'm still an affluent white person in yeah i can still go and tell another country their beliefs aren't right you gotta believe what i believe yeah and and it's one th- like she has a and son. like she wasn't gonna go do it. She was like, yeah. I can't, I can't go. I'm busy. Ah. And, and how so like she, you can go, you know, like voting. Are is she for her the voting? Is she for yeah. her marrying her well, like that woman yeah. marrying her? So. I know exactly, but or like, you know, the son. Like, is she looking at her? I don't think she's looking at the enslaved. Oh, person she's not looking at them as an equal at all. No. Yeah. Oh. They didn't live as besties in the house for the rest <laughs> right. of their lives. She didn't have the room next to her. She still needed a servant. Come on. Um, <laughs> Who's going to bring me my tea? So anyway, that girl, Richard Bowser, stayed in Liberia until 1860. And she was like, this sucks. I'm not happy. I'm going back to America, where she immediately was arrested because of a law that prohibited black Virginians who had lived in a free state or gotten an education from returning. So if you ever left to get an education yeah, or get free, here. like don't uh-uh. come back here. Wow. You know why? But think about that because they don't want yeah. it to be they're a role model of like, oh, this You're is You're going to stir the pot. Yeah, yeah. no, we don't need people knowing what they're missing out uh-uh. on. That's the, th- and that's, Look how it is to this day. You can't educate people. That's why people are all mm-hmm. up in arms about books and like and history and all that because like whoa 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 they yeah. can't know. No. Yeah. So she was in jail, but Van Lu paid to get her like paid her bail and was like, let's get you out of there. I guess. Um, I need somebody to bring me yeah, my tea. I, I kind of need some help here. Then there's a picture of Elizabeth Van Lu's home in Richmond, Virginia. It looks like a very nice home in Monument Avenue, but I did not Google the address. Mm. I will afterwards. So Richards, um, Mary Richards, she had a lot of aliases. Uh, she went by Mary Jane Henley. AKA. Yeah, Mary Jones. AKA. Um, she married another servant from the house that she, from the Van Lu house, Wilson Bowser, in 1861. So that's how she became known as Mary Elizabeth Bowser, which saw oh, the last okay. name. Love that. Mm-hmm. And then four days before they got married, the Civil War started. Oh. Of course. Yeah. So Van Lu was began volunteering as a nurse at the tobacco warehouse in Richmond. 
the capital of the Confederacy, which is hilarious to me because the tobacco warehouses are all these fancy apartments now. Um, <laughs> Charging way too much rent. Yeah. Well, I don't know. They were affordable when we lived here, but I'm, now, I'm sure now that they're crazy. Oh. Uh, so the, it was the capital of the Confederacy that housed Union prisoners and would later become known as Libby Prison. And in 1861, she and her mother started to bring food, clothes, books, and medicine and other materials to the Union prisoners. So the guards didn't know that Van Loo was unofficially helping the Union with her deliveries, hiding messages and plans for escape in her deliveries. So she was like sneaking stuff in there and helping them escape. And she was housing escaped Union soldiers and helping them as they tried to get back north. I mean, she's she is about it, about it. Yeah, like, she, she was about it. Yeah, if she yeah. gets caught. It's, like, yeah, she's in the capital it's not going to be good for her. Yeah, oh. yeah. So obviously, like her assistance um, to the Confederate in- enemies was met with disdain in Richmond, where the residents were proud of the pro-slavery stance that their government upheld. Um, but under the guise of a false persona in which she mumbled nonsense and was easily distracted, Not crazy Bet was left alone by her fellow Southerners. So she just like started acting like a crazy woman. So they just wouldn't, they were like, I just, I'm not gonna, don't, she got the, that's she just got crazy Bet. That's what I heard to do if you, if you're ever in a situation where you feel like your life is threatened or you're going to mm-hmm. be raped, act like a crazy person and oh. leave you alone. Oh, I'm pooping in my hand. <laughs> Yes, you've already it. shared. Yeah, move on, move on, Christy. I mean, come on, <laughs> like I'm just smearing it everywhere. Mm-hmm. You want some of this? Come on, stop. I, stop. I'm just saying that's what I am prepared <laughs> to do out in these streets. <laughs> so, word of her efforts to help the Union had reached military leaders in the North, namely General Benjamin Butler, not Benjamin Button. Who sent a representative <laughs> to recruit her as a union spy? Yes. So, under the instruction of Butler, Van Lu started to grow her network of spies, having them deliver dispatches in a colorless ink that could only be deciphered when milk was applied to the page. Oh, oh milk! Oh, yeah. Not even water, but uh-huh. milk. Oh. So. We are. We have the lactate enzyme. We don't really know, no. but every, like we just. <laughs> We don't know about that yet. Move on. So her most valuable asset in the spy operation was Mary Bowser, who was able to spy for the union in an entirely different way from the vantage point of a domestic servant. Yay. So she heard (laughs) everything. Yeah. Motherfucker. But so she, after cooking and cleaning at several functions for the family of Confederate President Jefferson Davis, she was hired as a full-time servant in the Confederate White House. They didn't know she had gone to Philadelphia to be educated, I'm sure. So she was sweeping and dusting the nooks and crannies of the home, and she read all the plans and documents that were laid out or (laughs) hidden in desks, and she reported all of her findings to Van Loo because she had such a good photographic memory that she just remembered it all. Oh my God, this is the best that we've ever had on this podcast. And they wouldn't write anything down because they didn't want to get caught. Yeah, I can remember every single. She had the Mary Lou Henner thing, where it's just everything is exactly. in her head. Yeah, and I said that there's not much information on exactly what she was able to report back because they were afraid to write anything down because they didn't want to get, you know, yeah. repercussions. 
But Van Lu's diary entries imply that her reports were like very critical in helping the Union navigate their way towards victory during the war. Mm-hmm. And she said, when I opened my eyes in the morning, I say to my servant, what news, Mary? And I- <laughs> news is gathered from negroes and certainly they show wisdom discretion and prudence which is wonderful oh, oh wow okay. yeah oh, the bar is news so mary I, yeah i mean you know you, you're on this high you know you always know. get shot down from your high it, yeah. it always happens that 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 welcome I, to you my know, life bring you back to reality yeah. yeah it's just oh but, as the war came to a close in 1865, Van Lu was thanked personally by Union General Ulysses S. Grant. Mm-hmm. You've sent me the most valuable information received from Richmond during the war. He re- he told her, but he didn't tell Mm-mm. Mary Bowser. No, yeah. Um, yeah. He even gave Van Lu money for her service services to the Union. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough to cover the money she had spent operating the spy ring of more than a dozen people. She had largely exhausted her inherited wealth during the Civil War, and afterwards she was left poor and abandoned by her community after it was revealed that she was a Union yeah. spy. Wow. Move north. Um, Move north, my dear. Well, well I don't know. I've... Well, not so far north as Boston, but just a no, little but, bit north. But that's a that's a common misconception of the like the it's north. true. Because it's, it's still true. cast, you know? Like, yeah. That's how low the bar is. Yeah. So on Van Lu's deathbed in 1900, the story of Mary Bowser came to light in press accounts. In the Richmond and Manchester Evening Leader, it was reported that Van Lu described a maid of more than usual intelligence who was educated out of state, sent to Liberia, and planted as a servant to Davis during the war. A decade later, in Harper's monthly interview, Van Lu's niece, Annie Randolph Hall, identified the woman as Bowser. She, Bowser, did not wait long to tell of her incredible exploits. As soon as it was over, she was like, I gotta tell everybody about this. In fact, just just days after the fall of the Confederacy, (laughs) Bowser, using her her maiden name, Mary Jane Richards, began to teach formerly enslaved people in the area. In 1865, she traveled throughout the country giving lectures about her experiences at war, which this is my favorite part, under the name Richmonia Richards. Richmonia! (laughs) Rich Monia. Uh-huh. They're spitting. Just, just yes. telling all the tales. And you know uh-huh. what? I bet as she was doing it, she was also like, by the way, I've cured cancer. None of these motherfuckers get the cure. Yeah. The <laughs> New York Times, uh, the New York Times listed one such event with the notice, Lecture by a Colored Lady, which states Miss Richmonia Richards, recently from Richmond, where she has been engaged in organizing schools for the freedmen, has also been connected with the secret service of our government, will give a description of her adventures on Monday evening at the Abyssinian Baptist Church Waverly Place near 6th Avenue. And when I tell you I would be first in line for that night... I'm Yes! This is an example of how... It, I love everything that that, that woman 
the Van Lu woman did awesome. But the fact that we don't have any actual recorded of Richmonia just spilling all the tea. Te- this, is, this is what we this is why we've all lost. This is why we can't have nice things. Exactly. But the story she would spill. Y'all Fitting, love making this. And it sounds like it would be great because she says, fittingly for a former double agent. Richard's speeches often contradicted one another, leaving historians befuddled as to her actual story. Yeah. One thing that one thing that remained consistent, however, were reports of her sarcastic and humorous speaking style. As Richards traveled the country, records of her whereabouts began to fade in true spy fashion. She was last seen meeting abolitionist Harriet Beecher Stowe in Georgia in 1867, sharing the riveting story of her life as a spy yet again. This is this is crazy. It is so wild to me. It's it's just like we could have had like Mary Bowser is just going around on tour, just spitting it. Y'all love Beyonce, Hardy Mm -hmm. B, Nicki Minaj, and we had all of that before. And and she was a woman. You know she was brilliant. Oh, she knew she was out here. All these these little hip hop rap kids getting caught up by their raps getting their lyrics getting them caught up in jail, which it shouldn't be happening. But that's the caste system. And she was smart enough from the jump get go yeah. to make it contradictory. So she's like, "No, nah, y'all ain't gonna put pin anything on these words. I'm spitting, but y'all will know the truth." Oh, I love it. It's brilliant. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm wondering, you know, the mayor of D.C. is Muriel Bowser. Mm-hmm. Oh, Don't maybe she's wonder? a descendant. Yeah, that is a good rabbit hole to go down as well. Mm-hmm. Wow, teeny. Oh, my oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mary Bowser, Richmonia Richards. Richmonia Richmonia Richards. She's like Richmonia. Richmonia Richards just out here spitting. Oh. Who's your favorite rapper? Richmonia Richards. Richards. Somebody needs like somebody needs to come out with that name, and they gotta be Mary like, Jane Rich and Mary Jane Richards. Richmonia. Wow. And there's gotta be some good lyrics about Mary Jane and those rats. Yeah. Know. Oh yeah. It's just sitting there. So if if you were just just brewing it, I mean, Mulatto should have yeah. just changed her name to Richmonia Richards instead of Big Lotto. Yeah. Just, I was just, like, oh man, that's what a good story. Well, I that do wonder. Was excellent. That it was so excellent. That just, I mean, yeah. she was probably fucking brilliant. Just unbelievably oh, yeah. brilliant of just photographic mind of what her mind could do, and if yeah, that's I how. I look up the. I'm looking up the house too. Wow. The Van Lu. Yeah, house. Monument Avenue. That has to be a nice house. I know. Side of the van, East Gray Street near Twenty Fourth Street. Hmm. All right. Well, I'll go on to what was happening. So this film came out in 1938. Ooh, a lot going on that has to do with, I mean, we've already done 1938 because we did a movie in this time. I think we did like a Marx Brothers movie, but it's just wild. The March of Dimes was established as a foundation. Yes. To combat infant polio. Yeah. Mm -hmm. By President President FDR. So what? Guys, now that polio's back, March of Dimes. Yeah. They're they're the ones we donate to. 
Yeah, um, but but you gotta get the you gotta get the uh, immunization. Well, in 1952, a man named Jonas Salk did come up with a vaccine. Yes, he so, did, so and I had that. Have a, I had that vaccine. I've had it as well. The honeymoon bridge in Niagara Falls collapsed due to an ice jam. Just a whole bunch of ice came, wiped it out. And how many of those honeymooners? We're still together. I don't know. I don't know. So in 1936, Joe Lewis, he lost to a German boxer named Max Schmeling. And mm-hmm. at the time, Joe Lewis was undefeated. And he lost. It was 12 rounds in Nike State and Nike at Yankee Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> it was Joe Lewis's first professional loss. Fast I'm forward sorry, two yeah. years, 1938. So that round, it went 12 rounds. Apparently, everybody had been talking down on, like, that Max Schmeling, like, Joe Lewis, you don't need to worry about it. And Joe yeah. Lewis, through his wife, had gotten into a sport called golf and had become oh. obsessed with golf. Oh, and man. instead of, like, you know, really hitting the training bag, he was just like, ah, it's Max Schmeling, whatever. And so he was out there golfing two years later however 1938 joe lewis knocked the shit out of max smelling in the first round of their rematch at nike at yankee stadium just he just was like no we're not doing 12 rounds i actually have been like preparing for this sit the fuck down so that happened all right now for 1938 hitler is Mm. he's just being hitler Mm. Everyone knows he's going to be invading Czechoslovakia. Mm-hmm. France, Britain, even the Soviet Union are trying to get the U.S. to help stop this guy. And FDR is in charge of the U.S. And he's like, nah, see, I understand what you're saying, but here's the problem. Coca-Cola, MGM, Chase Manhattan Bank, Dow Chemical, Brothers Harriman, which one Prescott Bush sat on their board of directors, and you may recognize the name, not from us, it's the other Bushes, the father and grandfather to two U.S. presidents, he was on the board of directors, that's hair of uh, the Brown Brothers Harriman, Woolworth, Alcola, Ford, GM, and IBM are all making a shit ton of money doing business with this Hitler fella. So IBM in 38? Yeah. Oh, wow. International okay. business machines. Yep. All those companies. That's what the they, IBM stands for? Yeah. Never knew that. So. Was, huh. so all those companies, that's why they're like, yeah, but we're going to remain neutral. It was, again, money. It's the answer to every question. So... Because you know, France, Britain, they're all like, yo, this man is out his mind. He has to be put down. And we're like, no. Because also, remember, this is like the Great Depression's going on. And these countries are making money. So much money. I mean, think of how many of those country, those things are still around. Coca-Cola, MGM, Chase. Um, you know, like Ford, mm-hmm. GM, IBM. They're all still around. Why? Where, did, where was their foundational money? It's wild. So 
because of that, Hitler, he took Austria, Austria, which, again, that's where he was born. He was not born in Germany, so he took that back because that was his born land, and they didn't put up a fight, as shown in the historically accurate Sound of Music film. Then we have the Sudetenland. So then, and then Hitler takes the Sudetenland in Czechoslovakia. And I always think, like, because I always hear it in 38, Hitler takes the Sudetenland. And that was supposed to be the big trigger because Czechoslovakia had allyship with Britain and France. They were like, yo, we're going to, we got your back. We're going to jump in if he comes into this. But when you actually look at the map of the Sudetenland, I, in my mind, always thought that it was like Mexico being like, no, Texas, that's ours, you know? Like, it's on the border with Mexico, Texas, and they take it. No, what Hitler took back in the Sudetenland, it's like if Mexico were to take California, Oregon, Washington State, Tennessee, Minnesota, Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Florida and Maine. Whoa. Yeah, it wasn't just like, oh no, this part is protruding. It's ours. No, the Sudetenland was like all over Czechoslovakia. So that was wild to me. Um, on October 5th, so two days before this film opened, Nazi Germany invalidates Jewish passports. Uh-oh. And those who need a passport to leave. They're like, yeah, we want to get out. They're like, oh, yeah, we want you to get out. But they're given a passport with a stamp, J for Jew on it. Mm. So. Not so fast. Not so fast. But look, Coca-Cola, MGM, Chase Manhattan. We got to make that money. We got to make that cash green. Meanwhile. Can I ask, is Pepsi a part of that? No. And Ma, do you want to go into Pepsi? Because you I, told me about that. I, I just Pepsi's know. Bad too. Uh, no, but oh. Pepsi was the only one that would sell to the black uh, people in the military. All right. Um, Diet Pepsi, Pepsi it co- is. Right. Right. So Pepsi yeah. is is our choice, even though some Pepsi of good, Coke bad. Like a Coke once in a while, but. I grew, I grew up in a, in a, like, my family was a Pepsi house. But when I went to my grandmother, my white grandmother's house, she had Coca-Cola Classic. And I was like, if all things considered, I just live in a vacuum. I prefer the taste of Coca-Cola Classic to Pepsi. I kind of like a Coca-Cola Classic in this white environment where <laughs> nobody's coming to get me. This is kind of comfortable. I, I just feel, I just, just, I, I just, yeah. I just like this in this closed loop. Yeah. But if we are, if we're going on our political beliefs, we are a Pepsi family. Okay. Meanwhile, in Italy, Benito Mussolini is granted equal power over the Italian military. What could go wrong? (laughs) Nobody stepped on your line. (laughs) Well, you could step all over all of this. Because... I thought that this film was Hungarian for a long time. So I looked up and, and in 1938, Hungary was ruled by Admiral Miklos Horthy, which is interesting because Hungary is a landlocked country and that yeah. man claims to be an admiral. Yeah, it, it sounds very Greekish. Oh, uh, he served as the regent 
because Hungary was a kingdom, but it was it was one of these like House of Heart like throne kind of things, Game yeah. of Thrones kind of thing, where yeah. it was really this guy, but he was like, no, we're in charge. Um, it's sort of like uh, France, Germany, France, Germany, France, Germany. Who owns that area? You know. Yeah, the Alsace-Lorraine uh-huh. place. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So he basically served as a regent. It was Hungary was basically fascist in this time with an increased dependency on Germany. They had anti-Semitic laws and they exterminated local Jews. So, oh, excuse and, me for thinking that this wasn't supposed to be Hungary. Right, and also gypsies, people who were considered gypsies at the time. Ro- Ro- Romani. Romanese, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, your yeah. great-great-grandmother was Hungarian. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys. Meanwhile, in Japan, Matsuyo Ooh, Whole too, different set of tools. But also, like, mad shit popping off over there. Because, it, yeah. again, it's the world. It, like, look, things are crazy now. 38 things were also very crazy. Right. This this man, he was a 21-year-old Japanese man. He killed 30 people, including his grandmother, 1938, with a shotgun, a katana, and an axe. Oh, my God. It was the deadliest shooting by a lone gunman in Japanese history. Still? To this this day. Like, as far as shootings and stuff, yeah. Come to America. I gotta say, to kill with an axe... I mean, a katana, that's a long sword, right? So you have a little yeah. distance, but an axe is up close and personal. Well, she, I think, was his first victim, and it was the axe that took her head off. All right, why did he do Damn. this? His parents died when he was a baby of tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. Okay, bear with me. So he was a 21-year-old man, so he was a young man. He was raised by his grandmother. He took part in Yobai, which is, so, in this part of it, in Wikipedia, it said that Yobai, because you're going to, there's a second part to this. So the first part of this said that Yobai was a rural custom where if you were a young male, I assumed, you could creep into a young woman's bedroom during the night to seek sexual intercourse. So I'm like, Yo, they were just out here, like, just raping women? But then when I went to the specific Wikipedia page, it had more information where it made this Yobai, also night crawling practice, less creepy. So then it said more information about it, that in ancient Japanese custom, unmarried men and women would do this but they would ask for consent hang out with their boo do their thing and then leave by the morning and it seemed like this was the common way that people dated like families would know you know and and so they would like creep in and they might like pretend not to know or, or all of that but this guy this this guy who like killed all the people it sounded like he was taking that ancient custom that, like, oh, this is how we court. And he was, like, being creepy and, like, fucked up about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So he left a suicide note because after this rampage, 
he took himself out the game like on a mountain sunrise. He like shot himself in the chest. And they found a suicide note that said that he was basically diagnosed with tuberculosis and that once he was diagnosed with TB, all the young women rejected him. So he would be night crawling in and be like, hey. And they were like, no, you have TB. Get the fuck out of here. And so they wouldn't have sex with him. And the village was pretty small. It was uh, The village had 23 households and 111 oh. people. And he killed like 30 of them just wow. out of retribution of b- because these women wouldn't sleep with him. Wow. It's wild. So in present day, that village is now 13 households with 37 people. After this happened, most of the families that survived up and moved. Wouldn't you? And no one has moved back since. So it's just this aging yeah. population of family because of this crazy thing that this guy did because he got TB and women wouldn't sleep with him. And he just went, he he went incel, right? He's right. That's what he did. So all of that gets Superman appears in action comics. Number one, they needed a hero. <laughs> we need a hero. Superman. We have the top five films. This is this is a British film, but these are, I believe, American. You have Sweethearts, You Can't Take It With You, Test Pilot, Alexander's Ragtime Band, and Boys Town. I've heard of Boys Town. Uh-huh. For the Oscars, these were the nominees. Test Pilot, Pygmalion, Jezebel, which we've done. Mm-hmm. Grand Illusion, Four Daughters, The Citadel, Boys Town, Alexander's Ragtime Band, The Adventures of Robin Hood, and the winner for Best Oscar this year, You Can't Take It With You. Okay, I've heard of that. So now we are to negative reheatables. And my first is, okay, they're on the train, lock the door. What? Why do people not lock their doors? Like the, Anybody the compartment come... door? Yeah. People just come in and out. Yeah. Um, the hands all over the sugar cubes. I have that. The initial embroidery, a bit much. I mean, I mean. For initial... you? <laughs> her like yeah. thing? Mm-hmm. On her purse and on her shirt. Do you want to know something? I mean, that hasn't gone anywhere. But do you want to know something that's trending now? What? Oh, yes. Do tell. So, you know L.L. Bean? Yes. yes. Well, when I was in middle school, like, that that was, like, the book bag to get. It wasn't that expensive. Like, we could afford it. But, like, you could get your initials yes. monogrammed on it yes. mm-hmm. and then yes. like in middle school you'd trade book bags with your friends to like oh, interesting yeah like me and like you all get different colors I had eggplant purple and mm. like I remember Rory had like an orange one I can't remember what color Blair's was but like you'd trade your backpacks for like the week I don't know why it's silly oh wow that's anyways interesting. so I say that to say that L.L. Bean you know you do the monogram shit so there's this tote bag that L.L. Bean has that's become popular now I don't think that tote bag has ever gone out of style. That's true. Well, yeah. But it's become big -er now. 
But the thing is, it's becoming the, uh, on the social media is because now people are, instead of getting like their initials monogrammed on it, they're getting like phrases. Oh. oh. Like gone with the bushes on your Yeti. Yeah. Uh, but let me see like some an example. Uh, like you would get it to say like unhinged. Uh huh. Or like somebody got one that said sweet green. Mm-hmm. And you just get it. You get like a a word or something. Somebody put a put fat and hot on theirs or dump him. Um, two de- two tears in a bucket. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I would have gotten you. Uh-huh. Like <clears throat> boobies. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. I have friends who can do that, who can put anything, any bag you want. Somebody, they wrote, this is from a Vogue article. They like to think that the mommy and daddy requests that hit around the holidays weren't actually for someone's parents, but rather a cheeky nod to their relationship dynamic. <laughs> One of the most popular ones I've seen is one that says psycho. Mm. So that's my two cents on monogramming. Okay, uh, I'm not going to say it's a total negative because I do have people who do that in vinyl. Um, and so we're going to move on. Uh, gaslighting. I mean, telling oh, somebody yeah. you're crazy when you know you're not crazy, but everybody around you says you're crazy. Um, women passing out. I'm so tired of the woman passing out because it's too much to deal okay. with. It's so... Right. Okay. <laughs> no, you do like that is a good point. But there is something specific that happens to this woman that I will get into on my battery heat. Okay, okay, okay. And the term deaf and dumb. Oh yeah. Instead of mute using the word dumb, D U M B for someone who cannot speak. Yeah, you don't know what their intelligence is just because they can't hear and because in that time especially with they don't have the technology so you can't hear everybody's not gonna everybody else is the dumb ones because they're like oh my gosh they can't hear us how do we communicate and there can you imagine if we could have given helen keller an intelligence test i mean of course because she was able to piece everything together exactly that's what i always said about my my students who are identified LD, learning disabled or uh, learning delayed or whatever, I'm going, they've made it to second grade and we're just now saying they might have a touch of an issue. They're way ahead of most kids their age. I'm I'm not saying that I'm a genius or anything, but I did skate through all the way up to third grade, not being able to read. Exactly. Not, exactly. not because like, oh, I'm smart or anything. It also, it was an indictment of the of the new style of teaching. But also it was just my brain didn't click. Like I'm, and as I've gotten older, I realized that's how I am. I will not understand something. I won't understand it. I won't understand it. But I'll just keep, I'll just keep watching it. Keep, and I'll get frustrated. But as I've gotten older, since I know that's how my brain works, I get less frustrated. And then it will click in. And I've yeah. been lucky that it will, cl- like, I remember Geometry GT. I had no idea what the fuck was going on. <laughs> what? 
year because once I got something, I got it. But like that, I had no idea what's going on. I just kept like reviewing and reviewing it. And I remember like, I was like, I'm going to fail this. They put the test out in front of me and it was like the light bulb went off and it was like, all of a sudden everything was out of focus and then it just all got in focus. I was like, Oh, I understand this. And it's just like, boo, 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 boo. and that's just how I, I will not, you can explain it to me like backgammon. I know. I, I don't get that it. Was... I don't get it. I don't understand it. <clears throat> like that's my thing right now. They, my parents explain it to me over and over again. I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, I know that it makes sense to you. Doesn't to me one day I'll just be like, Oh yeah. Backgammon. <laughs> And then I'm never going to play her because she'll never lose. Now, part of that is because you were such a uh, a rule follower at the time, you were not a disruption to the class. So you were not sent out to, you know, like a lot of kids get frustrated and then they show that frustration in uh, disruptive ways. And so then they get sent to behavior specialists and such because you were a rule follower. They never sent you out. So, yeah. so you were able to have the time to figure it out on your own. Yeah. Cause I saw those kids do that and I'm like, man, they get hassled a lot. I'm like, a lot of it just comes from me being lazy and just, I don't want to be hassled. I'll just I'm not saying lazy. I'm going to say you were able to read a room from yeah, the time you were born. Like, all right. I'm just gonna do this. What what's gonna work for me to get through this situation unscathed? To this day. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, okay. So uh those were my negatives. Other people's negative reheatables. Teeny, do you have any? Or do you want me Um, to go? Keeping cows in boxes. Didn't like that. I know. Any animal in a box. Um, military time. Like, we don't need to do it now. Back then, I get it, it makes sense, but, like, now, now, like, we have regular time. Don't hit me with the military time. There's no need to say that it's 2030, that this is happening at 2030, when you could just tell me it's happening at 830. Yeah, but it's 2030 yeah. wouldn't be 830, but that's okay, my precious. No, it would be, Bob. <laughs> 2030 yeah, would, would be. be 830? You, yeah, you take yeah. away 12. It ex- <laughs> exactly. Look at that. Lieutenant Colonel's wife. That's Did you hear that tone she used with me too? Uh-huh. Oh, believe me, I have heard it. Mm-hmm. So sure. So sure. Yeah. So My wrong. love it would be. Um, <laughs> and then that gunfight was so bad, but I loved it. I know. It was hilarious. Terrible. It was hilarious. I know. It was so bad. It was so British upper class. Upper, yeah. Like, like the upper class. Yeah, but those are my negatives. All right. So I have the potted plant falling from a great height, hitting the back of Iris's head is the reason why she faked. Like, she didn't just faint. Like, this woman had a significant head trauma that happened to her. And this is the part where you all will be in my brain and be like, what? Because this is real life here. So that potted plant came from how, like, two stories up? Uh-huh. Fell on the back of that woman's head. In this day and age, well, it's tragic. 
So this film stars Michael Redgrave. And he had three. Oh, no. Yeah. He He had three actor children. Lynn Redgrave, Corin Redgrave, and Vanessa Redgrave. Vanessa Redgrave is the oldest. She's still alive. Vanessa Redgrave is Britain and like she's fantastic. I remember seeing her in Camelot and be like, oh my God. <laughs> wow. She must be a dame at this point. Is oh, she not yeah. a dame? Okay. Oh, I, I'm sure. Isn't she? And she's she's still acting. She's in mm-hmm. uh that show you watch. Mm-hmm. The midwife called the midwife. Mm-hmm. She's like the narrator. So she's mm-hmm. like Vanessa Redgrave is so many things. So Vanessa, she had a daughter. She's had I she had like three kids but one of her daughters was the actress natasha richardson and she was married yeah. to liam neeson natasha richardson is no longer with us mm-hmm. because she hit her head taking a skiing lesson a beginner skier lesson she hit the back of her head she was like oh, oh no funny, i'm fine girl. She's like, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Basically, what happened in this movie, like, this different circumstances, the woman in this guy, the whole time I'm watching this movie, I'm like, oh, my God. Your granddaughter is going to die from head trauma incident that this woman in this film goes through. Uh, Yeah. Because now, looking at that, when you look at how high that plan is and it hits her on the back of the head, I'm like, yo, she can't go to sleep. She and, needs to be awake. Right. She needs to get a CT scan. That's a terracotta planter. Yes. Back in the day, that would be terracotta, not plastic. So that would have been really heavy. Even if it was plastic from that height and that weight hitting the back of your head, like she definitely has CTE. But like I, I just, it's just interesting how they just flub it off. And then that's, that's why I was saying earlier, Ma, when you're like, oh, the women fainting just because I'm like, no, that woman has significant hematomas in her brain. Like she's got brain bleed from all of this. It made me wonder, is this all like just what she dreams before she died? This whole film in a revisionist kind of way. Now that we know about head injuries and whatnot, because they were just very like, Oh, it was a bump on her head. That was not a bump on her head. People. Um, and I just think it's wild how like Natasha Richardson was her granddaughter and got taken off the game from a head injury to the back of the head. Some people, this is a quote. Some people's so little consideration for others, which makes life so much more difficult than it need be, don't you think? Mm. And that's what Freud says, I believe, to Iris. Which brings me to my thing about show some awareness. You can only live a ground floor lifestyle if there's cement floors between your floors. Like, if you know that you're into dancing and stuff, you got to get on the ground floor. Mm-hmm. Unless you're moving to a place that has cement between the levels, then you can't be doing that. During mm-hmm. the pandemic, I had, a, I had a, she was nice, wonderful, but she was a dancer. That's a ground floor <laughs> lifestyle. Yeah, but she, she didn't a, know she was not going to be able to go anywhere and dance. I know, but that's the that's part of the cast, Teeny, because the, 
Like, it, okay, you're a dancer maybe she like can't, she was. Maybe she can't afford to be on the ground floor. Exactly. Yeah. There's a housing shortage. I have to take what I can get. I'm a dancer. It's all I can get is the second floor. This is an example of caste hurting everyone. The housing shortage is caused for a lot of reasons. One of the reasons is because affordable housing won't be put up because people don't want low-income people in their backyard. What are low-income people? You think of black and brown people. You don't want them, so they don't make low-income housing. So we have a housing shortage. This is how it affects you, dancer. Whoops, say. Tossing out the trash in the window. Oh, yeah. They just tossed it out. We, the were, walking, good- like, we were walking somewhere to do our laundry the other day. Two nights ago. And this guy just finished what he was eating and threw the package on the ground. It's unbelievable. The only good thing about this, and that goes into the whole like, thing that we were talking about with the sanitary, is that back in those days, things were less sanitary, but there was also less trash. So there was less trash. So at least there was less trash being thrown out. And then you think of how much trash that we've accumulated the waste because of sanitary reasons. It's wild. Iris has a lot of attitude, which I love, except I don't see any of that attitude when it came to Gilbert fighting the Italian magician guy. She was, all of a sudden, she was just very standoffish in the background. And I'm like, Iris, you need to help the man out. And finally, my final bad reheatable is when the bad guy just tells the whole plan to Iris and Gilbert. <laughs> just assume he mm-hmm. he wasn't the one that poisoned them. He just assumed that his plan had worked, and he's just like, actually, well, this it, is what I'm doing. Yeah, it's like the classic bad guy telling everything. So that's what I have. Okay, we are to positive reheatables, and mine is. Uh, I told you before, I thought the young woman was going to be the one going missing. So I really liked that it was the older woman. <laughs> and I did like that it reminded me of Flight Plan, the Jodie Foster movie that got solved only because writing in the um, mist of the on the window solved the mystery. Mm. That has a young Kristen Stewart. She's her the daughter. Yes, she is. Yeah. She's in that as well as the um Panic uh, Room? Panic Room, yes. Wait, was she in both of them? Or am I mistaken? I, don't, I think it, Panic Room was Kristen Stewart. I'm not yeah. sure about Flight Plan. Maybe I'm mistaken. Hmm. Uh, I have I have several runners up for oh. my MVP, so we'll wait on that. So other people's positive readables. I have a magnum magnum of champagne that was mentioned at some point. Yes, if it's good champagne. When What's-Her-Face was talking about getting married and she was going to have to change her name and her friends were like, can't you get him to change his name instead? Yeah. Well, yeah, and some people just choose not to. Although at the bar the other night, we were, I had my card down and I was like, Maves. And she was like, Maves. And I was like, M-A-B-E-S. She was like, V? And I was like, no, V. And I was like, God damn it. Bush would be so much easier. Just like, like, <laughs> yeah, like George. Um, yeah, Bush is way easier, baby. <laughs> uh, 
the dying. I wrote the dying. Oh, the act when they were dying in the end. Everyone who dies dies really. A plus acting. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, I love that they did a made up language and just didn't give two shits to tell us what any of it meant. Just like nope, no, no, you're not. But they're like, oh, the the audience is gonna watch this is gonna know. It's just oh that European like. You know, yeah, they're European. It's, it's it's just that that cast. You know, they go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh. Um, and then the ending with the very end when they spoiler alert when they walk in and Mr. Freud's at the piano. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. I wasn't expecting that. I loved it. I know, cause you I didn't know. think she was gonna make it. And then I forgot about her. To be honest, I don't know. Yeah. Like, wow. Well, well, there's that. Yeah, too. I did too. <laughs> like, what was that happened to her? I would say like my reheatable problem like off the bat is this movie because I watched this movie in film school well in college like film classes and when I sat down to watch it I'm like I re- the only thing I remembered about this film was watching and, be- and being like oh wow that's really good and I didn't retain any of like what happens at the end so it was just another treat to watch it because I didn't know what was gonna happen and I thought it was funny like you've seen this film Aaron and yet you do not remember how it ends I'm like look at me being in the present and I'm like shut the fuck up (laughs) okay we could spit it like that but no you just don't you just didn't pay attention um okay the British board of film censors title card that says quote this is to certify that the lady vanishes has been passed for public exhibition to adult audiences i meant to look that up and i forgot i didn't it just made me laugh because i'm like look at quality control just putting its stamp on it (laughs) oh hilarious like you say all them away loved it Mm mm-hmm I really like the opening shot. I know that it's miniatures, but I feel like it still works. Yeah. And, yeah. And I thought that it works better than computers, the computer generated. I like the drone. I guess maybe now they, but it would depend on how, like, now this would probably be a Netflix film. So they wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily have the drone. It would probably be computer animated. Mm-hmm. And I think the miniatures in black and white for this time period, I think it's, really holds up yeah i felt like it really held up for the time period yeah you i mean everybody knew it was a miniature train but yeah i i thought i liked it the slow motion murder hands yes and we how we never really like the guy who's just singing just gets strangled out and we never it's just shh, we never even know like exactly it's like MacGuffin, 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 MacGuffin. exactly and then it's just left there and you can deal with it or not and i just like how it reminded me of m because you just see the the shadows there's just these hands coming slowly to strangle this man all the humor in this this was a really funny film it was so many little tiny Things to just chuckle at. Yeah. I mean, we already mentioned, like, Iris suffers what could be a life-ending injury. And despite having... Because she passes out. Like, if you go in and read, I clicked on, okay, Natasha Richardson, see what she died of. It's in blue. Click on it. They're like, oh, yeah, you tend to pass out at first and then reawake. Like, 
everything that this poor Iris went through, I'm like, she should not be alive. Yeah, basically. It's true. Yeah. But despite having this head trauma, when they're like, oh, okay, this lady vanished. All right, well, what was she wearing? And she just, like, goes through, like, bam, 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 everything that this woman was wearing. They, when, if you watch these datelines about, you know, eyewitnesses, accounts, and you're not supposed to be able to recall that. And at some point, somebody Oatmeal said, tweed. Yes. They were like, yeah. oh, surely you couldn't have been paying attention. Hilarious line. I yes. died at that. Yes. Then you have all of the choreography. This is a tasty titty in here, but I guess Michael Redgrave and Alfred Hitchcock didn't really get along because Michael Redgrave came from a stage and he wanted more rehearsing and Alfred uh... Hitchcock wanted more spontaneity. But the choreography in this is crazy. You have the whole thing that happened with the door and the wind at the very beginning with the hotel. That was choreographed. The hanger bit between C&C Cricket Factory. You mm-hmm. have Gilbert, when he moves into Iris's room, he has all this stuff on him as he takes it off during the scene. Mm-hmm. Freud, the words, like, disappearing and reappearing on the window. When the tea brand comes up from the trash and sticks to the window, and it's only yep. there for it. It comes in, we see it, and then it goes away. Yeah. I don't know how yeah, long it took them to get that, but, right? Awesome. So those are my positive reheatables. So we are to quotables. Uh, Somebody said he was a complete cad. Cad, Mm. I mean, that really went out of style after a while. She was sort of middle-aged and ordinary. Kind of struck home. (laughs) Pull his ears back when they were fighting, and it was pull his ears back. Uh, It reminded me of you fighting with your brother. He doesn't have like years where I'd be like, pull him back. But that's what they can't possibly do anything to us. We're British. (laughs) Subjects. Jugs are colonizer. (laughs) It'll be safer to protest down here. (laughs) I mean, all the shootings going on, and somebody's standing up protesting, and she goes, Yeah, come down here. It's safer to protest down here. One of my negatives. Uh-huh. Well, there were okay. just gunshots, 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 and nobody thought maybe we should duck. <laughs> yes, yes. We're British. Bullets. They. The Queen repels them. We're British subjects. Oh, I'm sorry. It would be the King in that point. At that point, it was the King. The King yeah. repels them. God save the King. Exactly. Um. Mine. Pacifist, eh? Won't work, old boy. Early Christians tried it and got thrown to the wolves. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. I, did, I wrote question mark because I think I got a couple words wrong, so don't don't quote me on. Um, which, speaking of Christians, sorry. Um, and student loan forgiveness. I saw a thing, you know, people have their panties in a bunch because of the student loan forgiveness. Yes. But but why? But I paid mine back already. No, but but why? But if you really go like the reason that they have it, who is it? It's benefiting everyone. But who is it if you look at the numbers really benefiting? This is what I'm saying about how cast Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So I saw a thing that was like um 
if you're a Christian and you're against student loan forgiveness, can we just talk about how your entire religion is based off a loan that you literally cannot repay? Yep. Exactly. Yep. Well, um, but but it's it's it is it is wild. There's because they think that it's giving free money to people right. of color. Yeah, that, who don't deserve the free yeah, money. Absolutely. Who don't deserve it. Meanwhile, if you happen to come through Ellis Island and your parents went served in the war and all of that and were able to buy a house and take care of and uh, do the GI Bill and you were able to buy a mm-hmm. house and then you're making money from the house but that is you're not doing any work and you put investments in the stock market you're making mo- you're not working and you're making money off of that mm-hmm. and you get mad if you want to give people who built the foundation the for right. you to have that right yeah because of their forced labor if it's given to them then it's welfare and it's mm-hmm. bad and that affects, like, that way of thinking is why so many people are in a shitty predicament here because they mm-hmm. think that it's just these handouts to, to black and brown people and they don't realize that, that, they, that it has been targeted and that is the message that goes out so that you will vote not in your own best interest. And that is how caste affects Mm -hmm. you and takes money out of your own pocket. You are actually talking out of your mouth saying that, oh, well, no, you have to work for your money. When you own a house, when you are in investing and you are just making money and living off of investments, that is free money that you are taking of and you are not really realizing that you are being, like you're not working for that money. Mm -hmm. Right. But yeah, welfare. But, but because they were smart with their money, that's why. Yes, exactly. But you, you weren't. It was the system that was set mm-hmm. up so that they would tell you that lie so that it would. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I just, you just, like, that stuff needs to be pointed out because that's where we will appeal to money. Like, yep. money is the answer to the question. And, like, you're not going to appeal to the good nature of, like, oh, but it's human. Treat me like a human. No. You are taking money out of your own pocket because how many people listening to this podcast are in the top 100%? I mean, 1%. Zero. Zero. <laughs> yeah. Zero. I'm in the 100%. Um, I'd rather be called a rat than die like one. Yes. And then, or as they say in English, jolly good luck to them. <laughs> jolly good luck. I mean, that, that's basically what Eagle was saying. Oh, but we'll be saved. And who saved them? The nun, who is the working class British woman. Yeah, exactly. Going out, risking her life. My quotes are, this is from Freud. I never think you should judge any country by its politics. After all, we English are quite honest by nature, aren't we? <gasps> oh. To be honest... I don't actually understand the full gist of the tea that Miss Freud is spilling there, but I just in the mannerisms of it, I'm like, oh damn, that's shade, and I don't even like fully comprehend all. Of, I can't diagnose the sh- like. This is how the shade is. I'm just like that's shade. <laughs> um, okay, 
when Iris says, this is the full quote, I have no regrets. I've been everywhere and done everything. Eaten caviar at Cannes, sausage rolls at the dogs, played baccarat at Baritz, and darts with the royal dean. Mm -mm. What is there left for me but marriage? So much. A lot. A lot, Iris. Darling? You haven't even been to Vegas. <laughs> exactly. Nor have I. I. I did not hear Harlem at all in that. <laughs> um, so, this is one of my favorites. He goes, can I help? And she says, only by going away. Yeah, oh, yeah. And then this really made me laugh. It was during the fight that he, this guy is, he, this guy's involved in a knife fight. And this seemed like the most British thing to say. He's like, well, that's the game, is it? So uh, LVP, I have a couple. Coal is fuel. Um, leaving the gun unattended during the fight seat. Come on. It uh, reminded but, me of that song from Chicago. They both reach for the gun. Oh, this is you. But my biggest LVP is the Nazi-esque vibe I was mm. getting. Oh. Mm. So much so that last night uh, I frequently have a dream where I am trying <laughs> to hide from the Nazis. And and last night it was Poppy and me. So oh God, I mean that no. adds a whole nother yeah, level. Yeah, just just I mean, come on. We were in the Frenzel's apartment and they had a secret attic access and we were up there, but the Nazis found us. It was a it was a very long because you couldn't be quiet. <laughs> Probably I was snoring. You know? <laughs> if if you're trying to hide from the Nazis and you fall asleep, you don't want me there. Or you want the CPAP machine, but you know, you get tired of it and you take it off. I do. And then you need electricity and then there's the white noise. So oh, Nazis always ruining things. Nazis. I still have nightmares about the Nazis. Yeah, the Nazis did a number on you. They did. I As used they should. <laughs> I used to pretend like practice holding my breath when I was little so that when the Nazis come by, they would think I was already dead. Yeah, I, and this is from like, you are more blonde. You don't have blue eyes, but you're fam like my grandma and your sister have blue eyes. Yeah. So half of the family has blue eyes yeah. and blonde last yeah. name Weber. And yeah. you're like I was scared so, of the Nazis. I was so freaked out by the Nazis. They were going to come get me. I was I so like this way might have made you. Yeah. And then this time, I had Poppy with me. Oh, There's that's... no disguising that. <laughs> <laughs> not enough makeup. There's not enough. There is not enough grease paint in the world to fix that. <sighs> okay, those were my LVPs. Um... I just put the gaslighting of what's her face. I know it's so awful because you know like she totally you know. saw it. Yeah. And everybody's telling you, no, that person never was here. I don't know what you're talking about. Not just like I didn't see her, but like totally, no, you're crazy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
that goes right into my it's pretty much the same thing mine is the upper cast because you have the todd hunters and cnc cricket factory and they both saw the woman exactly. but they don't help because it's not in their best interest exactly. and that goes into the whole thing like people don't do what's right they do what's in their best interest and then mm. but really their best interest was to help out because in the end they like some of them end up dead and they all end up in a shootout that's very stressful where if they had just come clean in the beginning and been like oh yeah she was here yeah but no, she they're, was here they're all protecting what they have they're like oh no we, we gotta get to this match you know but and that's that's how the world is so mvps third runner-up victoria's station we came into Victoria Victoria Station twice. Twice. One with you remember. as a baby, and one with you um, at the end of uh, in '92. I was so concerned about not kicking any trash. <laughs> that was the big thing in Eng- was do not kick anything. Cause it could be a bomb and kill us all. So I was just oh, just watching my feet, making sure I did not step on any bags or I'm anything. I'm not going to kick so it. Scared. Meanwhile, your brother was kicking everything in sight. Just anything. Yeah, I'll take care of it for him. Yeah. Uh, my second is train travel because train travel takes me to uh, New York to visit Adam and Christine. Oh yeah. I I do love me a train situation Mm -hmm. my first runner-up is the humor in this i was surprised by how much humor was in it but my number one mvp is how people died in this my god they died so great lots of different scenarios my MVP is Miss Froy because I love that they made her an old lady spy and not like a sexy young spy. Exactly. Exactly. I have honorable mentions I'll get to, but I want to hop in with like teeny. That was mine too. Continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was it. I just loved her. Yeah. Thought she was she cool. never she got around wrote- well. She hid. She was quiet. She yeah. nailed it. She was just like, I don't need to reach out to them. They'll find me one day and see I'm alive. Exactly. She- she never broke her cover. She put a backup plan in motion mm-hmm. in case she wouldn't escape. Mm-hmm. Then she just ran out in the wilderness, out ran like, bullets, go. like just out dropped over, bullets. just dropped over a cliff, out in the wilderness of Eastern Europe, and made it back to England. Double O, who I say? Yeah, Double O Froy. I mean, whatever the fuck she wants. And then she shows up at the end. She's like, yeah. And because he like completely fumbled the bag, this musicologist. She's like, I forgot it. And then here's the picture. And then, you know, here's the song goes. And there's Miss Freud. She's like, yeah, I made it, motherfuckers. Look at me. I'm here. Like we how many times do we have to see a Ryan Gosling as a super spy? I'm like, yo, get this old woman out here yeah I just love that. living off I the li- like that. made her whole way back survive yeah she yeah because i knew you weren't gonna remember that exactly that you do needed to, to remember do- so i had to make it we have to do everything here so my honorable mentions is 
this, I just kept rewinding this and rewinding this and rewinding this. It's it's going on my year end. It's the Baroness. The energy the Baroness brings. This The Baroness is married to the Minister of Propaganda. So the Baroness mm. has seen some shit and she has zero time for any more. Comes in and she go, she just is looking out the window and then she turns, says this line, but it's the repeat line that gets me every time. There has been no English lady here. There has been no English lady here. Man, just coming off the top rope with that energy. Mm-hmm. It's bad. Like, we have too much of that energy in this society now. But I do respect the game. Like, I'm like, that's an OG. Like, she <clears throat> came by it honestly. And if you're going to pull it, you got to be legit. Because there are people who pull it and, no, they're uh, not legit. No, you got to have that whole, like, wave. Like, all the front hair is up in a wave in a, in a thing. And you got to be, it's yeah. It's sort of like the uh, the people in the... Oh, no. This, okay. Gonna stop there. <laughs> she saw where I was going in. I, did, I didn't. It just... We're choosing to stop. Okay. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, I have a sorry. second. My second okay. honorable mention was all the allusions to what was happening to Europe in the war. You had them say mm-hmm. England is on the break. What's happening mm-hmm. with England? Why don't you do something before it's too late? The pacifist line. Mm-hmm. Um, we need allies. And it it's all this stuff bringing up. And it isn't until the end where they all, all these English people get together to like fight it off. It, and when you look at, because I watched this after I had done the 1938, and I'm just like, oh, man, this is just so telling of what the times right. are. So much Nazi-esque-ness. Yes. So I wrote down recast. I needed to recast Miss Foy, Iris, and Gilbert, and I didn't recast any of them. I recast Gilbert as Paul Dano, Miss Foy as Tracy Allman, and because, thank God, like, okay, both of y'all read the Molly Shannon book. And yes. I can't believe that you two wanted me to read the beginning of that book in any sort of public place. Because the <laughs> what? Oh, my God. I was sobbing. It I was, was a lot. It I had the been... ugly cry going with snot just down. I was like, yeah. I can't believe that you wanted me to be out in public. I almost sent a text message. I thought we <laughs> did really good with it, Teeny. I don't understand how you all weren't just like, what's wrong with you? And just ugly crying at the beginning. Yeah. She went through so much. But she's my Iris. Yeah. Mm. You'd be yeah, such a good be a Iris. Great Iris. If you haven't read her autobiography, Molly Shannon, so good. So good. I'm halfway through it. It's fantastic. I don't recommend you reading the beginning anywhere public. (laughs) But once that, then, like, so far I've been okay. But, man, those first, uh, just, like, you wanted me to take this to the pool? What's wrong with you? (laughs) She she went through a lot. Yeah. Yeah, she did. Okay. 
So that's a great recasting. I'm going to just go on a limb here and think maybe Christine didn't. Yeah, not this week. Not this week. So we are to Tasties. Um, did you notice that there was only music at the beginning and the end? No. The only other music was sung by uh, Miss Freud, and then the people needed to um, memorize Miss Freud's. Oh, it's the Miss Freud music, and then the, yeah, the memorizing. Um, musicians outside hotel and hummed by Miss Freud. Okay, that was all part of that. Francois Tufont. Did I say that right? Tufont. Tufo. It was his favorite of Hitchcock's movies. Now, if you don't know Francois Tufot, I don't educate yourself. Oh. <laughs> oh, he was a famous French filmmaker later. And he had this, I can't believe I was home every night. I looked at the Truffaut Hitchcock book and it never occurred to me to take it down and read about the la- the lady vanishes. No, the exactly. whole time I was home. Right. You were home for a whole week. Yeah. I didn't think of it either. Um, Orson Welles saw this film 11 times. Uh, you yeah. know, Orson yeah. Welles, who you think of as being the father of American cinema, sort of. Um, Vivian Lee screen tested for Iris. I saw so much Vivian Lee in the portrayal of Iris in this film. Yeah, but there was a thing with Margaret Lockwood where she, like Vivian Lee, in my mind, she just has more of an edge to her, mm-hmm. where Margaret Lockwood had more of a kind of like a free spirit and she was like, she was feisty and didn't really want to marry, but it came across more as her feistiness and these people are telling her because and then she like believes it and she goes on. Whereas I feel like Vivian Lee and maybe this is just because I know more about her background in real life would have been it, it just just would have been more like sh- like like sharper. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Mm-hmm. But the but the filming of her was I, she I just, looked like her, like they very had a, much a lot like of the Vivi. same yes. look, but the yes. feel of it, I liked how, like, I don't think that, that her and Michael Redgrave would have had the same almost screwball comedic, because that, it is right. kind of a screwball comedy in a way, right. and I feel like Vivian Lee would have just been like, yo, what is, what, the, like, is she dying, or is she, is she, like, got, like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, but I definitely got a vibe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the song that uh, Freud was humming mm. was the Colonel Boogie March that was also used in Bridge Over the River Kwai. Because that guy, he made a lot, they, they were very famous things. So when I heard <laughs> it, I, I it, sa- it did sound familiar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in German, Freud, F-O-R-Y, means joy. Oh. And Coomer, who was her stand-in, Coomer in Germany means sadness. 
Those are my tasties. I have that this was Alfred Hitchcock's last British film before moving to Hollywood. That in 2017, a poll of actors, directors, producers, and critics voted this the 31st best British film ever. The book differences in Freud, in the book, Freud is innocent and she's not a spy and she only knows something that could cause trouble for local authorities. And Iris doesn't get hit on the back of the head with a plant thing. She has sunstroke, which I did think was very interesting and timely. In the book, the train never stops. C&C Cricket Factory are not in the book at all. Oh, they were a great little tidbit in Mm -hmm. there. Gilbert, his name is Max, and he's an engineer, like, surveying to build a dam or something. And... Um, there's a language professor that acts as a translator in the book. And then, as far as Alfred Hitchcock, he always has a cameo in all of his films. Oh, yeah. He he was at Victoria Station at the end of the film, smoking. Oh, I didn't even, I forgot to look at him. Yeah, I didn't see him. I was looking for him, actually. And this film was named... Best Picture of 1938 by the New York Times and the New York Film Critics Circle Award for Best Director went to Alfred Hitchcock and it was the only time Alfred Hitchcock received an award for directing. Yeah. Of all his career? Yeah, because remember he, he went, like, Rebecca wins Best Picture in 1940, but he doesn't win Best Director. He never won a Best Director Academy Award. He only won a Lifetime Achievement Award. And I guess as far as like other awards and stuff, this is per Wikipedia. This was the only time that he was given a Best Director Award. That's crazy. Wow, right? Wow. Yes. Hmm? So... You can take awards and stuff them in your little pipe and smoke them. (laughs) (laughs) Yavul. Teeny, any tasties? No. Well, that has been The Lady Vanishes. I enjoy it. I recommend. A very early Hitchcock, which was a lot of fun. So much humor. Yeah, delightful. The Red Dying. Mm-hmm. Good oh. guns, early but guns. We got allusions to night Nazis, but not really. But you know they're there. Mm-hmm. And we still have gaslighting. Mm-hmm. Yes. So next week, it is me, Teeny Picks Bangers. Oh, here goes Just a Teeny funny, Pick. Remember yesterday when we were like, whose pick is it? And we were like, it's my pick. You'd think I would have started thinking of a movie. Hmm. Totally forgot. I saw you on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I towards the end I was like, oh shit, it's my pick. <laughs> but I have it. All <laughs> right. Love it. Okay. 1942. Ooh. This is an early team. How do pick. I say this? Simone hmm. Simon. That sounds familiar. Tom Conway. 
Directed by Jacques Tourneau. Tournier. Tournier. That sounds uh, very French. Let's see. An this hour. Is the part where I have to ask, are we able to see this film? Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, let's see. Kent Smith, Jane Randolph, and Jack Holt are also in it. The writer is DeWitt Bodine. The would you like the genre? Yes. It's yes, listed that's... as fantasy, horror, and thriller. Oh, of course. Yeah, it I don't, is. oh my gosh. I don't know this. And we fantasy. are getting into spooky season. It's so hot out, but I'm trying. It's gonna be triple digits here next week. This is Labor Day weekend. I don't know what other clues to give. 1942. 1942. Um, what other things would you like to know that would help you to guess? Who's the director? He, he, she said it was a French. Jacques Tourneau. Okay, that didn't help. Let's see. What else? Um, do you know who Simone Simon is? No, that? I do not. She sounds from like Simone. Simon. I'm thinking Simone Biles. It's yeah, I, I guess that's what I'm thinking. 1942. She was also in mm, some other French films, it looks like. So is this a French film? I don't think so. I think it takes place in New York. Oh. But dealing with immigrants. Dealing immigrants. Immigrants. They get the they job done. They get the done. job done. Mm-hmm. <sighs> um... Like, some of the other people, like, if you've watched this, you've also watched The Bride of Frankenstein. Oh. And Les Diaboliques. Okay. And Creature from the Black Lagoon. It's like, you're just just adjacent to monster movies. Okay. Yeah, I don't know monster movies. Did I stump you? Oh, my God. That's not my genre. That's not my thing. Is it, wait, is it a universal film? How am I supposed to know that? Hmm. You, yeah, see, it's just, I, I don't, don't think so. Production box I, office, and I more. don't know. Yo, all right, I'm tapping out. I don't know. We're doing the movie Cat People. Cat, wait, people. cat, pe- that sounds that's been referenced in something, hasn't it? Cat People, I think like, there was a remake. I know, like, that. That sounds familiar. It's like a B film I'm that sure. somebody was like Big involved with and like influenced. To this. Serbian national Irina Dubrovna, a fashion sketch artist, has recently arrived in New York for work. She falls in love. Um, she's never, she's always felt different than other people, but never been sure why. She lives close to the zoo and, unlike many of her neighbors, is comforted by the sounds of the big cats emanating from the zoo. Although many see it purely as an old wives tale, she believes the story from her village of ancient residents being driven into witchcraft and evil doing. Those who managed to survive by escaping into the mountains. Tells the story of Irina Dubrovna, a newly married Serbian fashion illustrator obsessed with the idea 
that she is descended from the ancient tribe. Mm -hmm. um, and I can't get the rest of that. Well, actually, so this is Jacques Tourneau's first American work. Wait, no. He makes his first American work in the late, he's French, in the late 30s. Cat People is his fifth ones. His fifth one. Okay. Okay. I, I know that when we get, like, there's going to be something, because it has been referenced to and alluded in it other. Seems like for something related to, like, like a lot of Boris Karloff films. Yeah. I'm sure there's somebody who was in one of those that was in this, or something to do with that. It was very influential in horror film, which is like a complete blind spot to me. So uh, this is this and is we, awesome. Although cat people is kind of, but we have family members who are totally cat people. <laughs> we haven't even seen the movie. We may be like allegedly, allegedly. We don't know what cat people in this context is. Oh. I pulled up Tom Conway. He is in Alfred Hitchcock Presents, but it looks like he was also in 101 Dalmatians. I wonder if he was Tim Conway's father. Tim Conway was like something in with Tim Conway. But uh, we'll see. All right, well, cat people, welcome to spooky season. One to more time, season. Christine has stumped us. Here stumped. We go. Gone with the bushes. The, no, we're gonna we're gonna do research because cat people was mentioned in something else that we have done. Okay. Either in the actual movie that they saw cat people and that's what influenced them. I mean, I had it written down in my list, so I'm like, yeah. I could have heard it from somewhere. I've been like, we gotta do cat people. Yeah. Because it, you have yet to meet your new cat in the Mabes household, correct? Have you met that new cat kitten? I don't know. I don't think so. So there we go. All right, listeners, we hope you enjoyed The Lady Vanishes. Very important uh, film. Hitchcock, how can you go wrong? Next week, Cat People. 1942, because there are older Cat People films. Newer. So make sure that you're doing the 42 one. Yeah. Well... There you go. Bye-bye.